0: History is often written by the victor, leaving the stories of the losers and forgotten buried. I'm your host, history extraordinaire, Gabrielle Jadot, and this is Hidden History, the podcast where we delve into history's hidden files and pull out the stories of the shrouded heroes, cover-ups, and controversies that have been hidden for centuries. In world history classes, we learn our fair share about ancient Egypt stuff, like the Great Pyramid of Giza religions, hieroglyphics, and if you're lucky, you'll learn about a pharaoh. But there are hundreds of other things we never learn about the dusty desert plains of the Sahara, and I'm here to explore that with you, along with my guest star and ancient Egypt nerd themselves, senior Alexandra Sterling. Hi, Gabby. Hi, how's your day been? Oh, my day's been awesome. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Now, Time to begin exploring the hidden secrets of ancient Egypt. Let's talk general information. When I was taught about Egypt, I was taught, one, that slaves built the pyramids, and two, that Egyptians wrote only in hieroglyphics. Alex, what were you taught about ancient Egypt in general? The people, the leaders, the pyramids?
1: Well, I think like most people, I grew up exposed to ancient Egypt via media, like books and movies, like The Mummy and the Cain Chronicles, Uh, similarly to you. While those did teach me about this fantastical mythological side of Egyptian culture, it held really poor representation about actual reality in Egypt. I mean, I grew up thinking Egypt was all about rituals, mummies, and worshipping the sand, honestly. Worshipping the sand, that's a new one. Now, (laughs) prepare for a shock, listeners.
0: Half of what Alex and I just said, yes, including the sand worshipping, is either false or a misconception built on the way we were taught about Egypt. First of all, the prince of Egypt and those Hollywood blockbusters lied to us all. The pyramids were not built by slaves. According to sciencefocus.com, contrary to popular belief, it wasn't slaves who built the pyramids. We know this because archaeologists have located the remains of a purpose-built village for the thousands of workers who built the famous Giza pyramids nearly 4,500 years ago. This suggests that these builders were paid laborers, and most likely artists in their craft, not slaves. The myth of the Jewish slave building the pyramids that has been used in Hollywood blockbusters for generations is credited to a Greek historian, Herodotus in the 5th century BC, who had once described the pyramid workers as slaves, as the Guardian.com states. Not to say that Egyptians didn't have slaves, they did for sure, but they were often used in other ways. They didn't include the construction of those famous pyramids. What are your thoughts on this shocking reveal, Alex?
1: Well, it's extremely interesting, to say the least, Uh, but even more so when you realize that it wasn't just the Greeks who had that perception of Jewish slaves. The Old Testament of the Bible also refers to this, the tale of Moses leading the slaves out of Egypt. Yeah, those were the exact Jewish slaves supposedly building the Pharaoh's pyramids. It is intriguing when you realize how different cultures distort those stories and spread them until we believe them true. You're right. And it brings up some questions to the validity of Bible
0: stories. But that is a topic for a completely different podcast and way too controversial for me. (laughs) Second, let's talk about hieroglyphics. For audience review,
1: Alex, what are
0: hieroglyphics?
1: I think the most general idea we have regarding hieroglyphics is that of shapes written on old stone walls of pyramids. But in more specificity, hieroglyphics are a system that employs characters in the form of pictures, and that may be read as pictures or as symbols for objects or sounds.
0: Now that we've all had a review, let's break a common misconception. In ancient Egypt, Egyptians did not write hieroglyphics commonly. Rather, they often wrote in a type of script derived from hieroglyphics, called hieratic. According to Encyclopedia Britannica, this was the standard way to write using a pen and papyrus, as opposed to chiseling stuff into rocks. Even religious documents were usually written in hieratic. This script was eventually replaced with an even simpler one, called demotic. For the longest, I had thought that Egyptians only wrote in hieroglyphics, because that was the only language i was taught in connection to ancient egypt. What about you, Alex? Were you also caught in the same misconception or am i alone in this?
1: No, Gabby, i'm with you. The only form of writing i ever heard referred to was hieroglyphics, which actually feels pretty closed-minded now that i think of it. Now, let's move on to a topic that's always connected to egypt. Mummies. The
0: visage of ancient bodies wrapped in linen bandages, posed arms crossed in an eternal slumber with their guts and jars. Everyone knows about mummies, but not everyone knows about the people that became said mummies. We all know about leaders like Ramses II and Cleopatra, but few know about Nefertari. In fact, I didn't know anything about her until I started my research for today. What do you know about Nefertari, Alex?
1: Well, first off, I think that Nefertari, being a rarely spoke of topic in regard to Egyptian history, be such a shame because she has to be one of my absolute favorite historical figures. Nefertari is commonly known by many titles that honor her beauty and status, but my main interest is her prestigious position as an intelligent woman who had to fight a harem of other women to become Ramsey's favorite wife. Archaeological digs and further research indicate that she may have been such a large influence on her husband's rule that her disappearance before the opening ceremony of the rock of Abu Simbel may have been due to her power and influence being a threat to the hierarchy of Egypt. Other sources such as the History Channel, for instance, also delved into the idea in one of their documentaries on her that one of Ramses II's other wife, Queen Isenofret, may have found a way to get rid of her.
0: Interesting. I read that Queen Nefertari was known by quite a few notable names. The Lady of Grace, the lady of all lands, wife of the strong bull, or great of praises. Nowadays, she is known for her highly decorated tomb and for her remains being speculated to be a set of legs below the knees. Nifatari was, as you said, Ramsay II's most beloved and first wife of his harem. Given this, she was honored as his chief wife. According to OsirisTours.com, Ramses was obsessed with his wife's beauty because of this, their love story holds great importance in Egyptian history. On top of being a beauty, Nivatari was a highly educated woman as she could read and write in hieroglyphs, which was quite a rare skill at the time. Her intelligence and talents helped with diplomacy with other important royal figures of the time. I would have loved to learn about her in school. What about you, Alex? Do you think students could have benefited from knowing her story in history class?
1: Oh, of course. I mean, I learned about her for the first time in seventh grade during a school project. And after seeing many documentaries on her and reading many articles, I realized just how ignorant I'd been about Egyptian culture as a whole. I mean, not all mummies are infamous men. Some of them happen to be butt-kicking women.
0: You're right about that. Let's move on to another mummy, uh, who, unlike Nefertari, is famous for an entirely different reason, the nine-year-old pharaoh, King Tut. According to kids.nationalgeographic.com, after his father was forced to abdicate after corruption, King Tut was crowned the king to a country at a time of conflict, when battles over land raged between Egypt and the neighboring kingdom of Nubiah. He was advised by I, the visor, and after nearly a decade, he died suddenly at 18. Historians are still puzzled how a young king died. Some suggested poisoning from a jealous visor, and others said he was simply ill. What do you think, Alex?
1: Well, I'm always a fan of a little murder and conspiracy in history, and this case is no different. I think it's highly likely that King Tut was assassinated in one form or the other by jealous adversaries, or, well, in this case, I suppose someone that he should have been his friend.
0: Despite the way it happened, he died and lays in a tomb. That tomb was uncovered by a British archeologist named Howard Carter in 1922 in Egypt's Valley of Kings. This is when King Tut's notoriety strikes with the curse of the pharaoh. Let's talk about the curse of the pharaoh. Alex, take a guess. What do you think the curse of the pharaoh was?
1: Well, growing up watching The Mummy, I'll take a guess and say that it probably had to do something with some kind of horrible fate afflicting anyone who dared open the tomb or something along those lines. Close enough. According to artsandculture.google.com,
0: as legend has it, there was an ancient curse associated with the mummies and tombs of Egyptian pharaohs. Disturbing these embalmed remains has been said to bring bad luck, illness, and death. Given that, what do you think happened to those who unearthed King Tut's tomb?
1: Well, Gabby, given an option of winning the lottery and suddenly being struck dead by the gods, I think the most probable answer is likely the death part. Shortly after unearthing
0: King Tut's tomb, the man who financed that excavation, George Herbert, fifth Earl of the Caravan, was found dead. A mosquito bite on his face had become infected, leading to a deadly blood poisoning. And he was not the only death, illness, or unlucky occurrence associated with the expedition. Caravan's half-brother also died from a blood poisoning. Sir Archibald Douglas Reed died from a mysterious illness, and George J. Gold died from a fever following his visit to Egypt, among many others. Objects from the tomb that were given as gifts to Carter's friend, Sir Bruce Ingram, whose house burned down not long after, after it was rebuilt, the house then flooded. What an odd strand of coincidences. Or could it actually be the curse of the pharaoh? What do you think, Alex? Curse? or coincidence.
1: Honestly, as fun as a curse would be, Gabby, I want to say this particular string of grizzly deaths was most likely a coincidence. But hey, if it really is a curse, I guess King Tut has a lot to answer for. With all
0: the history we uncovered today, I think it's a good place to stop till next time. Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation, Alex.
1: Of course, thank you for having me, Gabby. I had a
0: blast. This podcast was created with credits to History.com, Grudge.com, ScienceFocus.com, theguardian.com, osiristours.com, kid.nationalgeographic.com, artsandculture.google.com, and mentalfloss.com for information used in the making of this podcast. I also credit Zachary Rahalla for the intro and outro music. Join me next week, where we'll talk about the hidden city block beneath Perry Harbor City Park in our hometown of Florida.